Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, everybody. Amen. Well, I'm excited to get in God's Word. This is uh, going to be a fun one uh, to communicate. Uh, This is one I think that this topic in particular is one that we all wrestle with to some degree. Uh, As my professor would once say, he said, Marcus, you keep living, and at some point you will deal with this. You keep living, at some point you'll deal with this. And so for those watching online, thank you for joining in. We're so excited that you're with us this morning. And those in the room, thank you for being with us. And so um, I'm, I'm thankful for many reasons. Obviously, last week was phenomenal, okay? Uh, it's just a, just a breath of fresh air to see God just breathe in the life of the church. Um, I was praying this morning and just reminded of the fact that uh, sometimes I think theologically we read this and we know that God is alive. We read his Bible. We read the truth of God's word. But then we don't see him necessarily per se um, doing things in our lives or in and around us. And so last week was just a glimpse of the Lord just telling us, hey, look, I'm not done yet. He's just telling us I'm not done yet. And so if we want to be a part of what God is doing, I'm thankful that Crossroads has that heart. I believe God is getting ready to do and continue to do great things in and through this church. And so uh, baptisms was great. Man, people just getting saved. I mean, this is phenomenal. It's fun. So last week was last week. And uh, I don't want us to be so caught up in last week, but to give thanks, but to press forward in prayer and ask God to continue to do this work. I think we've postured ourselves in such a way as a church that God is now able to breathe and kind of do what he wants to do. Not saying it wasn't the case before, but I think in the season we're in, I believe God has allowed us now to be able to receive, as we've, we've dug the trenches, now we're able to receive the rain. And so I really believe going forward, we're going to continue to do that, whether um, prayer nights on Tuesday, they'll continue, okay, they will continue. And so we're, it's going to look a little different. We're, we're not going to do every single Tuesday because that's a lot of labor on the team, but uh, we're going to do once uh, the first Tuesday of every month, okay? It's going to be a straight-up prayer and, like, worship segment, okay? It's going to be fun. It's going to be off the charts. Look forward to that coming up, and that's going to be a regular thing throughout the fiscal year. And, you know, I know this is supposed to be a house of prayer, and so I want you all to know this, that um, the sign that's coming in, the worship center on this side and this side, it was once said that uh, this, my house should be called a house of prayer. We're going to put that back up. Amen. I want you all to know that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. And so uh, I'm very excited about that in the days ahead. So just be looking for that um, coming up. Today's topic is a game changer. It's a game changer. Everybody say game changer. I hope your, your hearts are open. I hope you're ready to receive what the Lord is ready to teach you this morning. Uh, I tell you what, even in preparation to studying this, God had to really do some work in my heart. And as I was talking about it with my wife, we had to really search our own hearts. But this is a game changer. We've, t- we've covered many different things with this whole series. We've covered the purpose of prayer, how to pray, praying and waiting, all these good things. We've covered a lot of ground in this series. But I think this is the one that I believe God is ready to unleash in our lives something extraordinary Something that we are, um, I think we're longing for, for him to do, but he's unable to do it, right, or unable to do it. Not saying he can't do it, but he wants to do it, but there's some blockage. There's some things in our lives that are hindering this particular thing, this this, um, will of the Lord to funnel through our lives and then to the lives of other people, and it's this. How do I pray for my enemies? How do I pray for my enemies? Should I pray for my enemies? Is this a biblical thing or... Help me work through my feelings and emotions through this. I mean, how, how should I do this? And I think this is the big one to close out this series. How do you and I, everyone in this room, everybody included, and as I said a little while ago, my professor said, Marcus, you keep living, son. And at some point, you will have to deal with this. So how do I pray for my neighbor? I mean, my neighbor, my neighbor too, but hopefully my neighbor's not my enemy. Amen. But how do I pray for, how do I pray for my, my enemy? We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. And what we do here is we just look at the text. We look at the scripture. We let the scripture bring the sermon to us. And so you'll notice that the, the bullet points or the, the sermon, to- not the topic, but the actual um, points of the sermon, they come straight from the text. Not trying to be too creative, not trying to be too all that stuff. We're not, we want to be a Bible teaching, Bible preaching, Bible practicing church. 
So what we're going to do is look at the text, do proper hermeneutics as we study this text. We'll look back into the Old Testament a little bit to get some understanding just about some of the things that Jesus is talking about. But we're going to journey um, and look at Jesus as he's ministering to a, a growing crowd on the Sermon on the Mount. The text says this in Matthew 5, starting in verse 43. You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And he goes on to say this, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust, as we're experiencing that even the rainy forecast today. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, brothers in the sense of those that are like-minded or those that you approve of, what more are you doing than others? Then he closes, he closes it out and says this, do not even the Gentiles do the same? And this last one was really hard for me to wrestle with. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So what we're going to talk about this morning for the next 33 minutes is this. You ready? How do I pray? How do I pray for my enemies? Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest sermon discourse recorded in Scripture. He's um, underlining, if you will, what the kingdom of God is going to look like. He's actually uh, uh, helping people see that his kingdom is going to look a lot different than what the culture is actually looking like. In other words, his kingdom flies in the face of the culture. Not only that, um, it goes against the grain of the culture. And so what Jesus is going to do right here, this is what the master is going to do. He's going to ask a very big question. In a sense, in the midst of this text, he's going to be asking a question, are you willing to do what I'm asking you to do? Are you willing to do exactly what I'm asking you to do? In other words, when someone really offends you, this is what we have to look at. As we look at this text, we're going to unpack it in a little while. When someone offends you, how do you respond? Or someone lets you down, how do you respond? When somebody do you wrong, how do you respond? How do you respond and how should you respond are completely two different things. According to our text, Jesus is going to make a very startling statement. The first thing I want us to see out of the text is this. You ready? As we journey, is don't avoid the offense. Don't avoid the offense. In other words, you see it on the screen for the note takers. Don't avoid the offense. Verse um, 43 says this. You have heard that it was said. Now he's pointing back to... Jesus is being a little facetious here. He's pointing back to Leviticus 19 and verse 18 and even verse 17 of Leviticus 19 a little bit and even after. He's, he's, he's letting the, 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 the Bible teachers of the world in this context, the religious leaders in this context, he's, he's, he's challenging their thought pattern. He's challenging not only their theology but also their practice of theology. So yes, you can have all the information you want, but Jesus is going, no, no, I want you to look back to Leviticus, and what does the Bible say? He says, you have heard it said, this way you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, by the way, this is, not in, this is nowhere in the scriptures. So Jesus, what are you talking about? He's hitting on this fact that sometimes in Christianity, with this growing crowd, by the way, because now he's a Sermon on the Mount, longest sermon preached by Jesus. He was come, becoming popular already in this context. And so here it is. He is teaching something that was going countercultural or countercultural with the culture. In essence, he was saying this. Your enemies are going to be around, but you don't put them in different categories. In other words, you don't hate enemies and then love those that agree with you all the time. In other words, he's saying, I'm telling you this, uh, it's not about um, hate, it's all about in my kingdom, by the way, he's bringing his kingdom mindset and kingdom agenda down. He's saying, my kingdom is about loving your, loving your neighbor. So why would he say this? You shall love your neighbor and hate your, your enemy. Well, what they were doing is they were actually making the Bible for themselves. Y'all know this, the, the didaction of Thomas Jefferson beginning to he made the Bible say what he wanted the Bible to say. And so this is what they were doing in this context. They were actually beginning to say, you know what? Well, we can love those that, that act like us, that think like us, and, and whatever the case may be. But we're going to discard everybody else. And Jesus hits the scene. Can you see him? He hits the scene right here. 
If you have a Bible that it's written in red, this is Jesus talking. He's saying, you have heard that it was said. So he's knowing the context of those in the, in the audience. He knows that they've heard this. At some point in time, he knows. Jesus is wise, by the way. And so he says, I, I know you've heard this. In other words, you ought to uh, shall love your neighbor but hate your enemy. But he goes on to say something different. He says, but I'm going to switch it. I'm going to switch gears and give you a kingdom focus. Here's what he's hitting at. You ready? Um, A lot of us, we wrestle with this big issue. It's twisted in our culture that we can just choose who we want to love, choose in whom we want to forgive. It's kind of like social media, right? You can unfollow somebody very quick. Have you ever noticed that? For the young ones in the room, for some of the uh, older ones in the room, we're trying to figure it out. We're like, what is this? What's a filter, right? All this stuff. We're trying to figure all this stuff out. And so, but what happens is you can, if somebody gets on your nerve, you can unfollow them. You can kind of just, unfollow, I'm good with you, I'm going I'm to do away with you. We have this power at our fingers, right? In the sense that Jesus is saying, this is not the way of the kingdom. Just because if you live long enough, at some point you're going to be offended. If you live long enough, someone's going to do something that you don't agree with. If you live long enough, you will have somebody cross you and you are at a crossroads, no pun intended right there, you're at a crossroads in this sense. What will you do? In other words, Jesus is saying, now, um, you don't hate them or put them in a category of hate. What you ought to do, having a kingdom mindset, is saying, I'm going to love you even still. So what happens is, is we typically put people in categories. We know this to be true, and that's the easy way to do it. Do you know the kingdom way is always tougher? Do you know Jesus' way is always, it's always tougher? So, it's funny because even in this, what we tend to do, I notice in my own life to be true, we tend to cut people off or just cut them out, right? So if, if they're my enemy, I'm just going to cut them off. I'm, I'm going to cut them off. I'm going to love them from a distance. Have you ever said that? I'm going to love them, but I'm going to love them from a distance. You, st you keep, stay away from me. Don't get too close, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you from a distance. What about friends causing problems? I'm just going to cut them off. In the day of social media now, we just unfollow people, and this is kind of the just to show you that I don't like you or I don't want to follow you anymore, we, just, we, we, tune, we tend to just cut people out. Now, as we're in this prayer series, Jesus is harping on something very crucial, which is linked to the gospel, and I'm going to unpack that in just a little bit. What about in marriage? You get on my nerves, you're my enemy, I'm just going to find another spouse. We see this all the time. What about a family member? Lord forbid, right? You get on my nerves, I'm, I'm going to cut you out. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You're my enemy. Well, Jesus is saying this, you have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He's going to shift gears. I just want to give us a little bit of scaffolding to build with. He's going to say this in verse 44. Are you ready? He's going to say this. Look, love your enemies. Verse 44 says this, but I say to you, this is what the culture is saying. This is what um, you have allowed the culture to infiltrate into your life. But he's going to shift gears and say, here's a kingdom mindset. Jesus, right here at this moment, he shifts gears and gives them a kingdom mindset. He says, if you want to begin to really think like a kingdom's kid, everybody say kingdom's kid. If you want to begin to think like a kingdom's kid, here's how my children, here's how they function. He says, verse 44, but I say to you, isn't that amazing? Just, just as we read the word and hear those words spoken, I can imagine Jesus looking at the people intently in their eyes into the crowd and saying, but this is what I say to you. But I say this to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let's just stay there. He says, love your enemies. Now, this is the word agapao. I mean, I'm going to do like a grammar study here, but it's the word agapao, this word love. And it basically means this. It is not the love of emotions, but of the will. I know that you've wronged me. I know that I'm, I'm grieved by whatever the case may be. In the context, Jesus is laying out what the kingdom of God is going to look like. So he's helping people begin to discover and see, um, okay, if this is what the kingdom of God is like, then if I'm living like this, then I, I need to uh, adjust in some form or fashion because the king of kings and the king of heaven is actually laying out what the kingdom is going to look like. I think I ought to pay attention. He says, well, here's what you got to do. You got to love them. So agapao is born from mere human affection. It's something deeper. It's not just mere affections, but it's a divine love. It's a divine love that's connected to Jesus himself. That's, that's really empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
and commanded by God, and it produces fruit in the lives of those around us as we surrender to the Holy Spirit. He's once said it this way, our faith is made alive and appealing only when our nouns turns into verbs. For you and I, as we think about this text right here, and somebody, here's the funny thing about the Spirit of God. He brings people to mind. Even as we're talking about this right now, I know the Spirit of God is bringing, whether a relative, whether a loved one, um, whether someone here in the church, the, the Lord knows how to bring to the forefront somebody in this context that we've deemed as an enemy or we've put off. But if you're a child of God, that's not a really, that's not a, that's really not an option. Jesus, again, raises the bar of morality. He says this, well, but I say to you, love, agapao, um, it's, the, it's the verb form, not just saying it, um, but actually demonstrating it. The same way I'm getting ready to demonstrate it for you, I want you now as kingdom kids to demonstrate this to those around you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, you and I can't apply this correctly if we don't talk about or walk down forgiveness lane. You say, well, Marcus, I don't see that in there. It's saturated in this. In this regard, Jesus is getting ready to die for the sins of the world. So much so, he dies with um, two enemies on either side of him on, the, on, on uh, Golgotha's hill. One in his right mind, one in the other not in his right mind. And still at this moment, staring eternity in the face, Jesus chooses to demonstrate even this text to us. Well, it's forgiveness lane. Forgiveness takes, it, takes, if it, take, it just takes one. If you're a note taker, it just takes one. It just takes one person. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. I know you've done this. And some of you, the Spirit of God, if he's going to do this, he's going to bring to the forefront of your mind somebody that has wronged you over the years or even present tense. But it's an act of, it's an act of the will. Based on what Jesus has done for me, I now, because I'm a kingdom's kid, I want to extend this to those around me. So forgiveness takes two, reconciliation, uh, forgiveness takes one, reconciliation takes two. You see, you may say, Marcus, what does that mean? Well, I mean, sometimes if you're journeying through life, you have a, a relative or somebody that's done you wrong, and, and um, on your part, you know what the biblical mandate is to forgive them. You may do everything right vertically to make sure your walk with the Lord is on point, but that individual doesn't come to a place of repentance or even acknowledges anything. And so you may go, well, what do I do now? What do I do? Do I keep, keep trying to entertain them? And no, 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 you've done your part. You've done your part. So here's what it means. Forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation takes two. It's not your responsibility to make the other person act right. Did y'all hear what I said in, in regards to that? It's not your responsibility. If you're thinking about someone, maybe that in-law, oh, Lord forbid, Amen. Maybe somebody's a cousin, maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a neighbor. It's not your responsibility to make them act right. What God is saying, even in this text, he says, well, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray. I'm going to talk about praying in a little bit, but pray for those who persecute you. Now, what we ought to do is we got to love them. Even when you can't see the results of forgiveness, you can still know you've done what God has required of you. It's amazing because verse 45, it says, here's some characteristics of a follower of Jesus. Verse 45 says this, so that you may be called, I just kind of added that there, so that you may be sons, you can even add daughters, right? So that you may be a Delphos or a Delpho, a Delphos of your father who is in heaven. In other words, when you and I forgive, we look more like Jesus. When you and I truly forgive, I'm not talking about surface, I'm going to bring it back up in a couple of weeks. I'm talking about letting it go because the cross has dealt with it. I can walk in a new identity. I can walk in victory. I can walk in um, um, this idea, if you will, of healing and victory. I can do this because the cross made it available. If this is the case, you and I, we ought to be able to move forward and extend it to other people. It's like having an ID. I uh, get my ID, man, here and... Um, it's just amazing, man. Just my identification card is, you know, it, it says a lot. Identification card, it says, it says a lot. And so in other words, it's, it's that picture of who I am and what I represent and where I live and all this other stuff. The identification card, one of the identification cards that God uses in the life of his children is the power of forgiveness. So ask yourself this question. Are you forgiving? Are you unforgiving? This is one of the biggest this is one of the biggest things. This is really the, the pendulum of the kingdom of God. 
This is, this is it. This is the entry point. This is how we should conduct our relationships as we go forward on this side of heaven and waiting to go to the other side. But this idea of holding on to a grudge or even removing and saying, God, you've forgiven me of much. Therefore, I only have the right biblical premise based on theology, based on walking with you, based on being led by the spirit of God. I ought to. There's some things, by the way, Christians, that we just ought to do. And one of them is this, is we ought to just straight up forgive because we've been forgiven. And I know it's hard, guys. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. I know, it's, I know it's tough. I know. How do I release this person? How do I release this individual? How do I release this situation? I mean, I want to hold on. I want them to pay. I want them to um, uh, do all, man, what they did to me, I want them to get that 12-time fold. Anybody in the room ever ask that question? Don't raise your hand. Amen. Well, it's amazing because... The interesting part about this passage is where we were enemies. The funny thing is that you and I, we were enemies. I think sometimes the longer we journey with, with the Lord and in our Christian walk, we forget that we at one point were in opposition towards a holy God. Like we were not just, you know, born and like we're the, uh, just this special crowd, Right? No, uh, no, 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 no. We were all born, the Bible says, born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So therefore, there's this picture of, overarching picture in this text of God actually saying, hey, in light of what I've done for you, the least you ought to do is to do the same for somebody else. But not only that, I give you the power to do it. So Romans 5 and 8 says, hey, uh, Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, right? While we were yet sinners. We didn't even know what we were doing. Jesus' words on the cross was this, Father, forgive them for they know what? for they know not what they do. But you say, Marcus, I don't know. You don't understand my situation. There's some serious issues with the person, this enemy that I've cut off or, or shut out of my life. Now, we are in a prayer series still as we close it out. You say, how does this, how does this work with prayer? It's, we got to pray for those. You say, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm just, I don't, you don't understand. I mean, maybe it's abuse. Maybe it's, they, they, they did something that was catastrophic. It literally changes the way you may view yourself even now or how you may view other people. You say, I don't know about this, Marcus. I mean, I see this in the text. I know Jesus said, I ought to love my enemies. I ought to pray for them. And, and this is a, a kingdom type of mentality and a kingdom characteristic, but you just don't understand my plight. Jesus understands your plight. But not only that, he gives you the power to, to not only deal with it, but also have victory in and through it. So what do you do? You set boundaries. You set boundaries. We have to set healthy boundaries. So in other words, I'm not saying that you, um, if there's some abuse going on in a certain area of your life and a family member, you don't just hang around and just keep being abused. I'm not saying that. And neither is Jesus saying that. But it doesn't take you and I off the hook to still love who we deem as our enemies. We, we don't get that release. We don't get that privilege. We don't get that, um, that theological check mark to go, well, um, based on where I am, based on who I am or my upbringing, I can just, I can still keep this person in that category. That's not the kingdom of God. What we do, we set boundaries. We be careful. You forgive them, release them, but also you set, you set boundaries. Tim Keller said this, we are saved by a man who died loving his enemies. We're saved by a man who died loving, literally loving, loving his enemies. Well, you say, Marcus, well, I keep living. So I, I, maybe it's you. It's different categories. Maybe I need to hear that. I need to just forgive them and give it over to the Lord because the blood is sufficient. Um, the, womb, the tomb is empty. And, and man, I tell you what, man, he, he is all power and his heaven and earth in his hands. I understand that. And if he can do that, save me from a, a destination called hell. And he can work in my life, even in relationships. I can trust him. Yes, you can trust him. But maybe somebody else in the room, you're saying, I just can't. I just, I keep rehearsing it. I keep bringing it back up. I did it once back in the day. I threw the alabaster box in the, at the campfire. I, I, I did whatever the case may be. I, I forgive them or this individual, this group of people. I just, I constantly do this, but it keeps coming back. Here's what Jesus wants us to know in this text. He's saying, but I say to you, love. Love is a agapao that he's using here as a verb. It's action. And it's an action based on what Jesus has already done for you. And in this context, they really didn't understand it because he was still en route to Calvary. 
But he would model for them in his ministry for the next three years what he was actually about and what he was getting ready to accomplish. And so, but here in this context, this agapao firm, this form, agapao verb form is saying for you and I today, post the cross is this. You and I, we know what it looks like. We experience what it looks like and what it feels like to be redeemed and forgiven in spite of all of our mess. But yet Jesus desires to still commune with us. And so in other words, a kingdom's kid, you ready for this? A kingdom's kid is a forgiving kid. What Jesus is pointing out here, he's saying, look, a forgiving kid, a kingdom's kid, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, because he says so that you may be sons of your father or daughters, your father who is in heaven. So maybe saying, I just don't, I don't know, Marcus, we'll just, don't rehearse it. Don't rehearse the offense. The Bible says that the Lord deals with our sins once in what? But y'all all know that individual that loves to just make you pay over and over again. Anybody know that person? Can we be real? That's a little touchy subject. But that person that just wants you to just suffer. They, they bring up something that happened five years ago, six years ago, and they just want you to, and every time you hear like, oh, can we move on? Oh, right, come on. Man, is there any grace? Oh, right, they keep bringing it up over and over and over and over again. But that's not the way of the kingdom. That, that's not the way of biblical Christianity. Now, by the way, however, this is an interesting dynamic because, yes, the enemy wants us to bring up the offense again, but as Jesus would say, he died for sins once and for all. So therefore, anyone in, in, in the body of Christ has the power now not only to forgive, but have grace in the midst of living, continuous tense, from that moment of being forgive, or forgiven, but they can live now in a forgiving state, but also extending that forgiveness to other people. As they look at their life, as they look at the cross, and they look in the rearview mirror and saying, God has done so much for me, I ought to. Some things we just ought to do in the body of Christ. And one of them is we ought to, we ought to, we ought to, we ought to forgive. And so what happens is when that thought or that uh, situation that happened to you, I don't know, maybe the Lord is flooding something in your mind right now. The Spirit of God is bringing something to the forefront of your heart and your mind. I don't know what that may be, but go back to the moment when you forgave him. And maybe for some of us, that's going to be the, the case in a little bit. We just need to release. We need to release this individual. Uh, Ephesians 4, 32 says this, be kind to one another. It's what kingdom, in other words, Paul is saying, it's what kingdom people not only look like, but what they smell like. Their aroma. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So in other words, we don't have to fight the temptation of sitting in a judge chair. That's what kind of Jesus is hitting at. He's like, man, look, you know, if you really want to set the record straight, all of you are my enemies. But I don't function that way. I don't function that way. And so, in other words, I'm going to die even for my enemies when they don't even know them getting to die for them. The Bible says this in Romans, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't get in between the hammer and the nail. Somebody need to hear that this morning. Do not get in between the hammer and, and the nail. Do your part. God will handle the other portion. But a lot of times we just want people to pay. We want people to... You know, y'all know that person, right? You put a, you know, by their car, you may put like some, Lord forbid, y'all don't do this, but you put, a, you put some tacks or some nails by their car and they back up, bah, you know, you're like, ooh, you stand back and watch it like, yeah, right? It gives you this, this weird satisfaction on the inside. And I'm not saying some of us, we go to that extent, but maybe you've done some different things. You rejoice when they get hurt. You rejoice. This is very ill. This is, this is not healthy as a believer. You rejoice when they fumble or stumble, something that, that is not from the kingdom of God. And so that's from the underworld. And so Jesus is saying this, I want you to know, verse 44, but I say to you, agapao, in the sense that the same way I've loved you and pardoned you, the same way I've forgiven you and let you off the hook, the same way I said, it is finished, it's done. Don't bring it up to me again. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love them, but also pray for them, because if you don't pray, in other words, here's the kicker. You ready? If, if you and I, if we're not praying for them, you better believe that the enemy's going to bring it back up and keep it rehearsing whatever that offense may be. It could be something tragic that happened to you when you were a kid, maybe something within your own marriage. I don't know, but, but be very careful. 
Then Jesus says, I want you to do this. He says, I want you to pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, people sometimes want to know, like, what's the identification marker of like a believer on this side of heaven? What's the, if there's a jersey, right? If, if, if we were walking jerseys as Christians, I mean, a lot of people want to choose different ones. Maybe like, you know, a sword, right? With glowing stuff all on, like, dun, dun, dun. I mean, just, I mean we, we all choose different things. It's funny because in the entry of God's kingdom is forgiveness. It's brokenness. I'm preaching to myself now. It's brokenness in a sense of it's not that we taunt. It's not that we walk around like we have everything together. It's not as if we made it to heaven on our own merit. It's based on the fact that God had to step out of heaven and wrap himself in flesh to look like you and I to be our substitute on the cross because we couldn't take the penalty or even pay the penalty in and of ourselves. It had to be a just, perfect sacrifice to appease the Father. And so Jesus, knowing this, he steps in your place and my place and literally says, look, take him, um, uh, let them off the hook, Father, based on what I'm getting ready to do. And when they put their faith and trust in me, you let them off the hook. And so here's what happens. You and I, we got to pray for our enemies now. It's, it, there's really no middle ground here. Jesus says, pray for them. Pray for them. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who came to your mind just now? It could be the person that just cut you off this morning, amen, on research for us, amen. It could be that person. Maybe it's kind of shallow in that regard. Maybe, maybe there's deeper wounds in the sense of throughout your, your family, some hidden secrets. Maybe there's some things that maybe that's going on currently right now. You're going, I don't know if I can really pull this off. How does this relate to prayer, Marcus? How does this relate to prayer? I'm going to tell you what. This is divinely connected to prayer. And so in essence, if you and I align ourselves biblically how God wants us to do, you'd be amazed what flows from heaven into our lives on a daily basis. You will be amazed at what God will do in the midst of when we posture ourselves. Remember, we did this a while ago, or even like this. If we posture ourselves biblically, how God mandates us to do so, like this or even like this, it'll be, you'll be amazed at what comes down from what he gives you from heaven. So we want to pray for our enemies. The idea here is Jesus saying, pray for them. But, but not only pray for them, but wish, wish the best for them. Now, I know this is touchy because many of us in the room, we've, there's some deep things in our lives, whether been abused, um, we've been hurt, we've been ripped off, maybe a business deal gone bad. I don't, know, I, I don't know how the Spirit is teaching and working in your heart in regards to this, but I do know this, that if you live long enough, you will be offended. So th the question is not whether you're offended. Maybe your family walked out on you. Maybe your dad walked out on your mom. Maybe your parents walked out. I don't know, but it's, it's, not, it's not if, it's just when. So when that moment happens, what do you and I do? What do we do in Unlimited as we wrap up the series? What do we do? Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for them. Because in the midst of praying for them, God begins to do a work in your heart and your life cleansing you out, perspective begins to change, and as you're praying for them, God begins to reveal your own shortcomings. You look at the gospel, and he, he shows, hey, hey, just remember what, what I did for you too. Don't put everybody on trial. Why don't you put your own self on trial? And what happens is this cleaning process of God's divine holiness begins to work in you, and then you're like, man, look, Lord, I'm going to, just as you let me off the hook, I'm going to let them off the hook too. Kingdomly speaking. So, so, excuse me, who do you need to pray for today? The Bible says pray for your enemy. Who do you need to pray for today? Who comes to your mind? Who comes to your mind? I don't know who it may be. Hopefully it's not the person sitting next to you. If it's spouses, amen, Lord, have mercy, amen. It's going to be a fun ride home. You see, being hurt is in, in life is, in, is inevitable. You and I, as we live life, we're going to get hurt. Anybody in the room can attest to this? Anybody? In life, someone's going to let you down. We live in a fallen world. In life, those online, in life, this is going to happen inevitably. Maybe it's been a marriage. Maybe it's been a relative walking out. Maybe it's been a boss treating you wrong. I don't know. But inevitably, this is going to happen. But here's what I want to challenge you with. Choosing to stay hurt is a choice. 
if you make the choice of it's going to happen, we live in a fallen world, so people mishandle relationships in a regular basis. And this is Jesus saying, look, a kingdom's kid, they look like this. They, they pray for their enemy, they love their enemy, and um, I empower them to do so. But if this is the case, it's going to happen. Well, I want to make sure I don't choose, choose to stay in this, this place, though. Choosing to stay in the hurt. You see, when it comes to forgiveness and praying for our enemies, the Lord will not command us to do something that he will not enable us to do. This seems like a tall task. And some, I know during this is very touchy, but this is, is bringing people to mind. The Spirit is bringing people to mind. Maybe somebody here in the room, maybe somebody that has gone on, that's a whole nother sermon. They've gone on and they've died and you still, you're holding on to all this hurt and baggage. And the Lord is saying, what are you going to do with it? You got to release them. You, you have to move on. You have to forgive. Forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation takes what? But you forgive for the, sake of your, for the sake of your heart, for the sake of your relationship with the master. And then praying, stay with me. Praying is releasing. As I'm praying for somebody, I'm just releasing them. I'm not trying to manipulate the system. I'm not trying to manipulate the situation. I'm just going to pray God's best for, for them. And let me just say, this is hard to do, by the way. It's hard to do, but you know who modeled it the best? Jesus on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them what? I'm going to try it again. Jesus on the cross, stripped naked, being ridiculed. Y'all see him on Golgotha's hill. Just outside of Jerusalem, you see the, the Savior who died for you and I, our substitute, my substitute, your substitute, to provide provision for salvation. He's out here hanging between two thieves. And we're not even knowing what we're doing. You know, what, notice I said we because we would have done the same thing. We would have been gambling for his clothes at the, uh, at the foot of the cross. We would have been gambling for, we, we would have been saying crucify him. We would have been doing the same thing. Well, Jesus says, man, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let them off the hook based on my account. You see, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. To be a Christian is to literally to, to forgive the unexcusable, the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Well, the gospel says that we ought to, we have to do this. This is hard, guys. This is hard to do. It's a very transparent moment. I'm away from my notes now. It's hard to do, to let somebody off the hook. Because naturally, we want to control the scenario. We, we want them to pay. Am I telling the truth here? Can I be the only one? Am I the only one in the room? Come on, y'all. Okay. We want people to pay. Just, man, I hope they're driving, they get a flat tire today. Oh, just, just a flat tire. I'd be good. Just, some of us, we wish very ill will things towards other people, which is not, it's not kingdom. That's not glorifying. Amen. But the truth was told in this room, if God had to peel back the Rolodex of your mind, open up the Rolodex of your heart, and he picked out that one person, Let's just focus on one. Who would he pick out? Who would he pick out? That person. Maybe for the students, it's that parent that walked out and left you. Maybe it's for some of us, we're remarried and we're still having a hard time dealing with just some of the baggage and the struggles from the previous deal. Maybe something that has happened within the marriage. Maybe it's just someone here in the church. Maybe someone that has gone on to the other side and we're still holding on. This is a serious thing. And this is how we tie this whole series up. It's praying for our enemies, but also loving our enemies. Because it's the picture of what the kingdom looks like. So when this happens, we allow the Lord to funnel through our lives, the vertical connection that impacts the, 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 the vertical impacts in the, the, um, the horizontal, we realize this, that the gospel, it serves more as a mirror and less as binoculars. 
I've said this before in here. I mean, this is what the gospel will do. As you begin to look at your own life and you sit under the truth of the gospel, what the Lord and the Spirit of God will do in your life, those watching online, he'll begin to reveal your own shortcomings and then allow you to get right with him before you start doing this. Well, he says, remember the gospel. Jesus, he raises the bar very high. He says, you've heard it said that it will say that you shall love your neighbor but hate your enemy. No, nah, nah, that's not the way of the kingdom. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's hard. Let me keep reading. So that, there's a purpose clause. So that you may be sons of your father or daughters who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? What type of life would that be, right? What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So let me just say this. If you're not Jewish in this room, you're, you fall underneath the, the Gentile category. And then verse 48 says this. You, therefore, must be perfect as your, your heavenly Father is perfect. Help me understand that one. Because I'm still on this side of heaven, and I'm having a hard time forgiving some people. I'm having a hard time just releasing some things. I want people to pay. Anybody ever want somebody to pay? But if this is the way of the kingdom, this is Jesus' way, this is the way of the kingdom of God, there needs to be some releasing that takes place today. Not holding on, not wishing ill will towards anybody. And I don't know who this person may be. Again, maybe they've gone on you're still holding on to some deep, dark things. But today, we're going to release some people. You may say, I'm not able to do it. I'm not, I'm not able to do it. I, I see this. I'm not, Pastor, I, I hear you, but I'm not able to do this. I want them to pay, pay, pay. Now, you say, how do you close out a prayer series like this? I think it's fitting because this holds us back from really receiving a lot that God wants to do in and through us. It's blockage in our hearts. It's blockage in our spiritual arteries. It's blockage, saints. So I hear you, but I wish ill will upon them. I want to pray for you in just a little bit. But I don't want to forgive them. Just remember how much you've been forgiven. I want them to pay. I want them to pay for what they did to me. I want them to pay the utmost penalty. I want them to pay. Just remember what Jesus paid for you. It's the gospel. I want to have control of the situation. Anybody ever said that? Behind the scenes, manipulating the whole piece? That's not the way of the kingdom. When we refuse to forgive, something is blocking in our relationship with the Father. When we, for, when we refuse to not forgive, something is actually blocking our relationship. See, unforgiveness is like you drinking poison. Many of us, y'all have heard this before. You drinking poison, but wishing the other person gets sick. Unforgiveness is this way. Jesus says, love your enemies. Love them. Wish well upon them. Who comes to your mind? Who comes to your mind? Wish well upon them and pray for them. You see, forgiveness is the foundation of the kingdom of God. Forgiveness is the foundation of the kingdom of God. It's funny because Alcatraz, living in um, Northern California, have a picture come up. Alcatraz is, uh, let's throw that first one up. Amen. Alcatraz, that's the key. It's a prison on the bay, amen. Alcatraz. Okay. Now, if you, just clap if it comes up. Alcatraz, amen. Thank you. So I'm going to keep looking. Thank you all. You didn't know you were going to be a part of the sermon, amen, right? So, but Alcatraz sits off the bay of San Francisco. Many of you all have been there. How many of you guys have been to Alcatraz before? Alcatraz sits off the bay. It's a, I mean, it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, you see the city, you see life, you see freedom, you see all this stuff. But here you have this notorious prison. Some of the, wor the, the world's worst criminals was housed in the, these cells throughout the years before they shut it down. So Al Capone's, if you will. I mean, some of these other notorious thieves. And as you look at this, you look at the the distance between this penitentiary to the shores of San Francisco, 
You see boats, you probably can't, you can't see much life, but there's much life going on there. You say, Marcus, what's the point? Go to the next slide. When you and I choose not to forgive, even though we've been set free by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I want you to see this imagery because it's powerful. We live like this. We live sheltered. We live confined. We live um, shut off. We lived not free from what God wants you and I to do and how he wants to funnel through your life and my life. But sometimes what we do is we look at the other people and we, we want to point at them and cast shame at them. And I want to tell you this this morning. I really believe some people are living just like this. Staring through this small window, wishing ill will on other people. Maybe it's you don't want to forgive, and God is saying, I forgave you 100%. I forgave you 100%. Even the things you haven't confessed, I've, I've forgiven you 100%. Why would you want to hold on to anything and hold that over somebody else's head? Don't you know that I cast your sins as far as the east is from the west? I have dealt with your sin so much so. Man, I took it to the grave. I got victory over it. I shed blood for you. Why would you want to hold on to something else? This is a part of our prayer series. Why? Because Jesus says, look, I want you to pray for those, pray for those who Pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Well, the cross is still the answer. The blood is still the blood. Jesus offers forgiveness for you and I. Even in this moment, for some of us, we, you need this forgiveness. You've wished ill will on so many different people. Um, it's just a sad thing to do. It's not the biblical way. Jesus said, look, here's what I want you to do. A new kingdom philosophy. You've done this, you've heard it said this way, but I'm going to flip it and I want you to see from my, from my standpoint. What about healing? What about just newness? So what, what I also do is this, you ready? When you came in, you got a stick. No, we're not doing COVID testing, amen. Some people are like, Pastor, no, man, I know we're going to be like a COVID station. I said, no, that's, that's not the point. But it serves as a simple illustration, a little piece of wood. I don't know who's sitting next to you. Hopefully it's not the person you need to forgive. But if you want to, you can write a name on it. Of the person you know you need to just straight up let go, to forgive. Why? Because it's like looking at that picture, the last one, your spiritual life, literally. Don't, I'm not trying to be cool with pictures and illustrations. Literally, this is the case. You live hindered. You live with a chain and ball on your leg when the Lord has set you free. I don't know. Maybe somebody has gone on. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a, a father, a mother. My dad committed suicide when I was young. It messed me up for many years. I had to, I had to forgive the guy. It took years for me to forgive him. So much baggage, so much suppressed issues on the inside, but finally getting to the point of hearing the gospel and hearing it clearly, I said, Lord, I'm done. You let me off the hook? Man, sure enough, I can let him off the hook. Because I know myself, and Jesus, you know me. Not the perception I put on for everybody else, but you really know, you know me. And I don't know what's happening in your life, but maybe you want to jot down a name, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to take this, we're going to sing in just a little bit. We're going to break this. It's going to be a beautiful sound, all in unison. This idea of saying, Lord, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Under the banner of the gospel, the, the gospel is powerful enough to forgive the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners, and even those that think, hey, look, I'm not that bad of a sinner. Oh, yes, you are. If you're the only one walking on the earth, Jesus still would have came and he would have died for you. Just, you need to just wrap your mind around that. She said, I don't know, maybe someone that's going on. Maybe it's my spouse. Maybe it's a father figure, a mother figure. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a person that you, you take research for. You got to pray for everybody on research for. I don't know who it is. But you pray for them. And then we're going to release them. Take, a, take one minute. Process. I want you to really think about this. This is healing. Write that individual's name down. You don't have to because the Lord already knows. But if you want to, feel free to do so.
some of us, just as much as we desire to let this person off the hook, Jesus did the same thing for you 2,000 years ago on the cross called Calvary. He paid the penalty in full. Not throwing it back in our face, not bringing it back up. The Bible says he dealt with sin and sin once and for all. It's finished. So maybe you're in a room, you said, I don't have this relationship. And I got it. Just uh, if you can see inside of my life, there's like baggage, so much baggage. And I carry it every single day. I don't even have to, even in my own interpersonal communication with my coworkers, family, um, just my neighbors, it just bombards it. I, I really can't function properly. Why? Because there's, there's blockage. It's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is serious. You say, I need to let them go. I need to release them today. You have the choice to do so, but also you can find healing and salvation in Jesus today. So I want to pray for us. I'm going to have a stand in just a little bit. We're going to do an exercise. We're going to sing and just celebrate of the work that Jesus has done in your life and my life. Lord, thank you for this moment too, just to have an object lesson. The breaking, the releasing, the identification of how you desire kingdom's kids to, to function. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for Crossroads. I pray for those watching online. It will be a place that administers forgiveness biblical love just as it was extended to us we'll say you know what the biblical thing to do is to do the same so Lord we say thank you be pleased in just this little bit in Jesus name we pray amen why don't you go ahead and stand again I don't know who it is we're going to sing in just a little while you come down you want to pray we'll have some people down to pray with you you say, man, look, I need, to, I, need to, I need to release this. This is just an object lesson. This is not, it's just a symbol. It's just a symbol. And this, by the way, this, this could be something 50 years ago. It doesn't have to be like just yesterday. So just peel back the mental Rolodex of your mind. Who did God bring up? What circumstance? What issue? Jesus left you off the hook. So we ought to do the same for other people. If not, there's scar tissue, there's blockage, and that hinders your walk with the Lord. So on the count of three, y'all ready? We're going to break these. Oh, no, 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 no. On the count of right? On the count of three, we're going to break these all together as a church, just as a symbol. And the Spirit of God will continue to do the work inside of you if you let them. One, two, three. Lord, thank you for forgiving us and dying for us. As some people are like, shredding those sticks. Amen. Forgive us, oh God, as even when we, we didn't even know that we were sinners, you died for us. You died in our place. You took our place. You died for sins once and for all. You don't bring it back up. You don't throw it in our face. And so, Lord, thank you. Help us to be kingdom's kids. Your word declares that we'll be called sons and daughters of you when we forgive well, when we love well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.